Hey, this is Mark with The Table, and I'm glad you decided to join us again on this episode. Um, again, today, I am going to dive into a word uh, that is used in the book of Acts, and it's an incredibly important word because it challenges us um, to the scope of God's love, his redemption, his restoration, and it really is absolutely good news for us and really what it is is God's vision uh, the vision that God gave to Paul the eternal purpose of God's unending uncontainable um, undeniable love and it's something that when I saw gave me hope personally for God's ability to take everything in my life good and bad and restore it uh, for his purposes of revealing just how loving he is. You know, the, the Bible says God is love and that is his definition. Any, any other description of his character falls short. We love to balance that because we don't understand things and there are things to us in our uh, ability in this life to fully grasp his purpose um, in and outside of, of time. And it starts in Acts uh, chapter 3, verse 21. And Peter is, is preaching and says, talking about Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. You know, in the last episode, we talked about that other word and what it means for us that God takes everything, uses it for his glory and retells our story. You know, there's a um, scripture in Romans that talks about the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, meaning that they never get taken away. God actually, even in our mistakes, failure, sin, he takes them and redeems them and recreates them and retells them and reapplies them in a new way that nothing can thwart the promises and the purpose of God. In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And that is an absolutely amazing promise that God doesn't forget us. And he always has compassion, even when we're not living in the way we should. You know, Jesus said, you being good fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father give to the, the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Meaning God is saying that even the best fathers, God is better. I'm a good dad and even know my children may go a certain way or do things um, that hurt them or hurt others, I don't forget them. I have compassion on them and I'll, and I'll never stop working in their favor. And so the word that Peter uses in Acts chapter three for restoring is the word apocatastasis. And now I know I probably mispronounced that. It's really hard. It's like sitting in an Indian restaurant and trying to pronounce really quick tiki marsala, you know, but it is a word that's extremely important. And that word by definition is the word that 
God is using through Peter to talk about the restitution, the restoration, the reconciliation and the redeeming of all things. And God always uses those sweeping terms. The early church used that term all the time. They preached endless sermons on it. So here we go again with all things. It literally means all things. And I know what people say, you know, well, what about justice and what about all those things? What I would say to you is that often our justice and the way we look at it is more punitive than redemption. But God is speaking a word here that is radical about restoration. He's not talking about a few things or the few that might be saved or the remnant or, you know, using these um, alienating terms. God is using a sweeping definition that he is going to take everything that has ever happened and restore it all. That's pretty amazing to me. And it gives me hope in my own personal life that no matter what I've been through, no matter what I've done, that God's going to restore it. He's going to restore and redeem everything. He's going to re restore humans. He's going to restore the earth. He's going to restore the, you know, what, what happened to even creation after we fell into sin. You know, it talks about in Romans that all creation groans and longs for the manifestations of the sons of God, that God's even going to redeem Washington, D.C. Can you believe that? So this idea is totally biblical, totally provocative. It's scandalous and it's ancient and it shakes all our indoctrinated religious ideas down to the core. It challenges the places where the law still reigns in our heart and not the spirit of God. It was spoken about by Peter, Paul, Jesus, the prophets. It's a huge idea. And it's telling us that God is going to not send all of creation to hell in a handbasket, but that he's actually going to work in the midst of darkness to bring his glory to the earth. The glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we're included in that story. We're included in that plan. We get to be part of it. This is the good news that we preach to the ends of the earth, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I'd encourage you to take a look with me at all the all verses, which we're going to get into in a minute, to see the entire broad, beautiful picture of God's redeeming work in Jesus Christ. Like I said, this idea was the prevailing wisdom of the church for the first 600 years. It was the, it was taught in the schools of Antioch, Alexandria, Caesarea, and others. What if we realized that the early church who had so much power, there were so many miracles and resurrections and healings and all these kind of bizarre things that the church is trying to get back to, you know, we're like the early church moved in power and we got to get back to that. And we think somehow that, you know, if we do certain things that it's going to allow us to step into that, but it doesn't seem to be happening. And I'm not being critical. I believe in all those things, but I'm saying the scope of the miraculous, the scope of the dead raising, the scope of people coming to uh, Jesus are, are not in the numbers that the early church saw. What if it is because we're not preaching the broadness of God's love and the full 
measure of the resurrection. It says they bore witness to the resurrection and miracles happened. The resurrection was literally the, the seal that all humanity was summed up in the death, burial, and resurrection and God forever sat at the right hand of the Father in rest that the work was finished and his redemption was brought. What if God is so good that he's going to restore everything beyond anything we could ever imagine? So when I look at this teaching that was taught in the early church, and I'm like, well, what happened? Why did we stop teaching it? The 23rd Pope, Pope uh, Theophilus, and again, I'm mispronouncing words, um, but he literally burned the great library at Alexandria and destroyed this. He destroyed that library because he was trying to keep this teaching from going out to people. Why was he doing that? He was doing it because this teaching releases people from religious control. You know, if fear and the end of the world kind of stuff, and then it's all getting bad and everything's going to be destroyed, there's this fear maintenance program that's in the church where we got to just be, you know, constantly worrying we're going to go to hell, the end of the world's coming, you know, we're going to be rejected by the church. And there's all this fear mongering rather than a, a message that brings hope for all. So let's look at a few of the all verses just to look at the sweeping scope of this word uh, that Peter uses in regards to the restoration of all things. This is Romans 5, 18 through 19, and I am going to read a little bit more scripture than I normally do, but it says, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification for all people, for just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. It talks about in Corinthians that death came through one man again. Resurrection of the dead also comes through one man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall live. Second Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Colossians 1 and 20, through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. One more verse, Ephesians 1 and 10, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things on heaven and under the earth. This gives me absolute hope that God has a plan. This gives me hope that everything that I view as unredeemable, unlovable, that God has a plan to bring restoration to all things, that he wishes none to perish, but all to come to the knowledge of the truth, that he's not going to lose any that have been put into his hand. That on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he meant it. And this gives me hope for the world. This gives me a greater desire to preach the gospel. Now, I know what people are going to say, Mark, you know, is this universalism? Is this ultimate reconciliation? It's a, I don't want to get into those terms. I don't even think any of those terms can accurately describe the broadness of God's love. And yes, there is a place of importance on our part because, you know, you can go through this whole life and not live the way God wants you to live and you're not going to have the best that God has for you. So there is a place 
where we have to receive the Lord and his redemption and walk in the power that God desired for us as sons and daughters, because in that there is a blessing, not only to us, but to the rest of the world. But even in that, I know that God's love and glory is bigger than all that, that even when we don't fully see it, he's able to work through it and redeem it. So this gives me a better perspective of how I engage with the world, that God is love, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I'm able to love myself as the way God loves me, knowing that he sees all the imperfections, but yet he's working in redemption to redeem them all. Like I said in the last episode and retell the story. So I'm able to look into the world, not with eyes of judgment on those who are not living like I think they should live or those who are even rejecting God, but I'm able to look at them as the object of God's redemption and reconciliation and restoration and am able without a veil to accurately display to them the love of God that inside their heart they're longing for yet don't know. Or they've been told about a God who's angry, judgmental, and they can't um, you know, justify allowing a God like that who into their life who they fear would abuse them when in reality he's working through them to restore them. So this story is way bigger than we realize. This vision is for all, and it's a vision that is a heavenly vision that God desires the ends of the earth, that the the world is the Lord's, not the devil's. And that at the end of the day, whatever it looks like, that God is going to take everything that has fallen and recreate it for his purpose. And everything will be restored and everything will be reconciled and nothing will be lost. Because like I read out of the book of Isaiah, that he is like a woman whose child came from her womb and he has compassion on us and he cannot forget us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. These are the things that inspire worship, inspire hope, and inspire courage. So I hope this really blessed you. And, um, you know, again, it's an amazing day out. I'm going to enjoy getting in the pool. And I'm so thankful for everybody who's listened and commented and encouraged me. Feel free to rate this on Spotify. Share it with your friends. um, And uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, The Table. All right, y'all. Have an amazing day.